Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast, the official podcast of Diesel Power Challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're back. I am back. From Diesel Power Challenge. Um, originally, both of us were supposed to go. I had some personal things that I had to uh, take care of last minute, so I had to opt out. Sorry for making you go by yourself. You, you missed an amazing week. I, you know... My luxury of my job is I'm on my computer constantly. Um, part of my job description is to like be on social media. So I was on Facebook. You're just bragging now. You no, know, but it's serious. <laughs> and I was able to see everything. And, you know, coming off of going to UCC last month yep. and seeing all of this that just took place, uh, there was some jealousy. There was some envy there. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Did you watch any of the Facebook Live? I watched your Facebook Live stuff. I uh, I watched some of the live stream. So some yeah, of the, the live stream is what I'm at. I didn't broadcast any live. No, some of the videos that you posted, oh, gotcha. I'm, I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw the cop car at the cone course? Yes, yes. How crazy was that? Dude, insane. Those guys were so cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, these two cops rolled up, and like I started yelling at the competitors. I'm like, all right, who did it? Who did it? Like, come on. Like, for real, a couple of those guys got a little sketchy, man. They started looking over their shoulder. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they seen us out taking those hits last night. Yeah, right. Um, but, no, it, it was a really good time. So, for those of you that don't know, Diesel Power Challenge is probably the longest-running diesel challenge or diesel event uh, in the industry. Yeah. Over 14 years now, they've been doing this. For the last four years, K.J. Jones, the editor of Diesel Power Magazine, has had the reins of it. Um so it starts off with voting, right? right. It, the whole dynamic of the competition is definitely different than some of the newer events that's out now. Oh, yeah. Totally so, different than Ultimate Call-Out Challenge. So yeah. this is this is uh, from Diesel Power yeah. Magazine, so sponsored by XDP, right? Uh, and a few other sponsors along yeah. the way, ATS, Amsoil, and some other guys, Mechanic. Um, okay, so, so basically what happens is you guys have been listening to a couple of episodes about this. Uh, there's some voting issues that come out. Uh, vote readers vote on the rides. Well, so I think I have a badass truck. I yep. submit my you know my submission right. Yeah, and then Diesel Power says, okay, we're going to take these trucks and put them into a magazine, and then the readers vote, fill out a ballot, send it in. That's the only way to vote. You can't go do it electronically. Like you got to buy the magazine, fill it out, send it in, yep. and then based off of the votes, we ended up um, going live at UCC and announced all of the contenders for DPC. You got it. Um, so there were, generally, it's it's three, three, and four. So there was this year, it was three Dodges. Three Dodges, three Duramaxes, and, and four, four Fords. Four Fords. Yep. And then an alternate. Right, which was a Ford this year. Right. Um, no, 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 no. Four Duramaxes, oh. three Fords, three Cummins. Okay. And then the Ford alternate. Ford alternate. Okay. okay. So that that's how it shook down. We had a couple of dropouts. Uh, they just guys weren't able to make it. Trucks weren't still owned by the same owner. Nice. Things like this happen, wow. right? Uh, so we ended up with nine competitors, okay. and this is the fourth year in a row the alternate has competed. That's crazy. And the alternate was Garrett Osain, this beautiful six four who I, I poked at quite a bit for having a six four. Second place in the competition. Shut up. Oh, great truck, great running truck. Also, an amazing crew. Okay, where was he out of? Do you know? The United States. I like that. <laughs> you know what was also really cool? People that follow the DPC. This is the first year a Duramax has won in years. Yeah, a long time. So, and the a guys over time. at Duramax Tuner have a relationship as well. Tune the truck, things like that. So, as far as being in our organization, it was kind of hit home. You know, yeah. it was, we we're. They're in spirit. Let, let me run you listeners through the events real quick. 
Uh, we kick off day one with just doing kind of a meet and greet. Day two is when we actually start the competition. There's a fuel mileage competition. And Chris, we interviewed KJ a year, maybe even two years ago it about this. About a year ago. Um, and I, I made fun of the fuel mileage yep. competition. How stupid is fuel mileage on a thousand horsepower truck? You, you don't build a thousand horsepower truck for fuel mileage. Here's what here's what the fuel mileage test doesn't tell you. Um, it has so little to do. They may score it on fuel mileage, but in reality, it's about can your truck stand up to one of the toughest dyno tests I've seen over 20 minutes. What what did it consist of? So you're you're strapped on the dyno. And there's a screen next to the the driver window, and you're watching this arrow that has to stay at this specific like speed. So you got to keep the truck at a specific like wheel speed, right? right? But it varies the load. So it's simulating driving up a six percent grade at sixty Ooh. miles an hour. It simulates driving all the way down and going to zero and idling. Um, it, it's this constant variable test where like you're always on the throttle, on the brake, on the throttle, on the brake. Guys are two pedaling like literally using left and right foot to get the truck to keep that arrow and to keep that wheel speed right in the exact spot of where it needs to be based on the load the dyno is throwing at it. Okay. So fucking hard. Um, one, to keep to keep the wheel speed up is just very challenging as a driver. Like, like you're, there's so much variation in it. You're really having to pay attention uh, in the, the ATS dyno closet, I would call it, because yep. it's like their shop and then there's a closet where the, the dyno, dyno is. Uh, it, it's billowing with smoke, so it's hard just to see through the smoke. I got guys hanging their heads out the window trying to see the monitor through the black smoke. Oh, my God. Uh, and then on top of it, just the heat, J- just the amount of heat. A lot right. of these trucks are not meant to be worked and towed. I mean, this is simulating towing. This is simulating driving, simulating grades. You're already up at elevation. We're right. over a mile high, um, just where we were at with the dyno. So, like, it was torture i i literally called it i told kj this is now something to do with your truck that's harder on the truck than sled pulling wow this test is legit it is it is it is can your cooling system keep up (laughs) for 20 minutes to handle this and then are you a good enough driver to not get a bunch of penalties uh cody pulliam killed it uh garrett osain in the 6-4 killed it um, Travis Richards with the G56. Yeah, so yeah. what the second that, that we could find, anyways, we might be wrong on this, but I believe he has the only the second G56 transmission to be in Diesel Power Challenge. Wow. Murdered it. Did a great job. Uh, however, out of nine competitors, I want to say four or five did not finish. That event? Yeah. Like, they just, they their truck's overheated. It's day one of the challenge. Like, wow. day one of the competition. It's day two of the challenge. They know I need my truck to go through another four events. There were guys who just, my shit's too hot, I'm out. Andrew Merriman had that beautiful uh, 76 Ford yeah, yeah, with the Cummins with the in Cummins. it. Uh, couldn't make it. They had wow. to, they remodified their whole cooling system up front just because of that event. They were like second ones on the dyno that day, third one, something like that. Uh, Andrew Morrison had the 12 valve. Yep. Dude, you know, just cooling system on a 12 oh, valve, yeah. big injectors, big turbos. The, not, he he not wasn't going to make it. Yeah, so there was a few other guys that got knocked out as well. It was a grueling fucking test, man. You know, one of the jokes you know we always say is is a DPC. It's a it's a drive. Like all these contests, you know, you could have all the power in the world. Can you drive the truck? Right. This is a driving contest. This is a driver contest. And I would say DPC even more than ultimate callout. Yeah, one hundred. Well, with the tow test and the trailer race, like a hundred percent, I agree with it. Yeah. Well, day two. So day two. So or I'm sorry, day three, 
the second goes through a bunch of challenges. So, or I'm sorry, day three goes through just the dyno event. So then we put them on the dyno and we look for peak horsepower. Mm-hmm. Cody Cook uh, down there with an LB7, um, or I'm sorry, with the LBZ nasty power. Had Dimitri Millard and his crew, lots of nitrous, mm-hmm. uh, got some great sound clips from Dimitri. Uh, elevation in a bottle. I am professional on Facebook. And this event can suck my ass. Uh, all three sound clips I have from Dimitri. Thank you, Dimitri. So glad to get those. Shout out. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so those will be coming out in some later episodes that we'll have uh, going back over featuring some of the competitors at Diesel Power Challenge. Uh, day four was murder. And I mean murder because not only on the, the competitors and the trucks, but also on the rest of us who had to work the event, do three challenges on day four. Well, yeah, so you, you get up in the morning, you get out to Bandamere Speedway, yep. uh, trailer racing, first okay. thing. Shane Merriman in that 12-valve, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Cody Cook in the LBZ 1020 with a 11,000-pound trailer Shut on. Shut up. Nasty, dude. He won the dyno. He was like 1,400, 13 or 1,400 horse. Wow. I'd have to check my stats to be sure, but like he made big, bigger, I, I want to say it was an ATS dyno record. Uh, but big power, lots of spray. They were very excited. That's a great sound clip. Um, I mean, I'd be more excited about a 10-2 at the well, trailer. Well, the 10-2 at the trailer was nasty. Garrett Osain, who was way out in front, we knew he was a, a competitor to like be in first or second place. He ended up blowing up on the second event of day four. Uh, he snapped an input shaft, I want to say. Or no, okay. no, no. We thought it was an input shaft. It ended up being a trans pump. Uh, but qualifying for the drag racing, wow. so you do you do an eighth mile with this this huge trailer on with a bobcat on it, right? So so it was a ten two in the eighth. In the eighth with the yeah, I'm sorry, okay. in an eighth with the trailer. Still impressive, still nonetheless. Very impressive, way out ahead of the rest of the pack by like three seconds. Um, then you're you're done with trailer racing. You drag race now for a quarter mile. So so you just got done pulling this trailer for an eighth mile. You beat the shit out of the truck. It's it's hot again. We're we're in like Denver, greater Denver right. area. We're we're way up in elevation, dude. Then they turn around, they quarter mile race. Shane or uh, Andrew Morrison with that twelve valve, boom, kills it 10, 10, 20, 10 4, something like that uh, in the quarter mile with that twelve valve, fastest of the day. Um, however, yeah, and and he ended up winning the drag races. Mm-hmm. Uh, very impressive showing there. And then of course, um, we went to the cone course. And again, the cone course is one I made fun of when we had yep. KJ on. I was like, this is stupid. These guys don't pull trailers with these trucks. One, a lot of these guys do pull trailers. Yep. Two, everybody said they were good. Every, like, literally, Chris, I, I did this, like, 15-minute walk around of the course and, like, was with the drivers as they were explaining this cone course to them. Uh, pull-in boxes, backup boxes, park the trailer in this, like, little little alley, 100-foot straight reverse with a trailer on, which was very hard. Um so, so the guys at who, who run it, like the truck trend guys, they got out into a semi. So bobtail semi, they get out into the course. They're like, we're going to show you this course. Trailer on, guy rips it, like goes through, or no, goes through really slow, the first one, right? Like really slow. I think he had like just under three minutes. It's like 256. And then he's like, all right, you guys want to see me go fast? Everybody's like, yeah, 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 I want to see you go fast. Dude, this guy just slamming gears in this fucking semi, mowing down cones. Like, just mowing down cones. So, yeah, he finished a, sec- a couple seconds quicker, but with all the penalties, 10 seconds right. of cone penalty, he was way slower. 
So I got a chance to go around and hit up all the drivers like while while we just saw this. And I'm like, all right, guys, what's the plan? Everybody says I'm going to go slow. Everybody. Um, the ones that can drive drove. The ones that can't, they showed it real clearly. It was a rough day out there. <laughs> that G56 just, oh, Travis. Travis Richards and that Cummins man. He just he had a tough day. Garrett Osain sh- showed back up. Um, so he broke down midday. He wasn't able to drag race. Shows up for the cone course. Just fucking eight cones, dude. Straight up conezilla at that place. It was rough. It was rough. How would you do? Oh, I do terrible. I can't fucking back up a trailer. Like, do you Quit think playing. just in your daily your daily car you could uh, do it no cones? I think I think could do. Ever- I think I could do at least as good of a job as the cops did. <laughs> <laughs> So the, cop, the cops go out to, to Bandemir every Wednesday, and they have, like, uh, get off, what, what, race race the cops. So they'll show up, and, like, they're, they had a, an Edge, they had a Tahoe, and then they had a couple of, like, obviously cop-built cars uh, for drag racing. And, like, so they invite everybody in the area to come out and drag race them at a drag strip instead of on the street. So really cool event. So two of them come wandering up to us in the middle of the cone course. Like, yeah, we talked them into it. So we hooked up. Hooked up the Tahoe to the trailer. The guy with the edge uh, would not. He was like, I'm not doing it with the trailer. But he did it just with the car. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. Very it was cool. interesting. Uh, and then, of course, the last day was the sled pulls. Um, I got to see a six-liter rip the axle off. Okay. Like the rear axle full spin, no longer attached. You never hear about that in the bulletproofing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Zach Skulls, that one's for you. Uh, that was pretty interesting. Cody Pulliam, who did win Diesel Power Challenge, is tuned by Duramax Tuner, uh, also a great guy. He also was the dyno operator at UCC. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah he Very works cool. for Custom Auto. Um, so Cody killed it. He did great at all of the events. We, we knew he was a pack leader right from the start. Uh, real strong competitor. Uh, he had something go wrong on, on the, the sled pull. The, I don't know if he was hanging an injector. Or, I don't know what happened, but it, it <laughs> there there was a healthy, healthy sounding knock nice. <laughs> at the end of the polls. So yeah, great week. Uh, big shout out to Diesel Power Magazine, XDP, ATS with the most beautiful diesel facility I've ever seen in my life. That's Nicer than most hotels I've stayed at. <laughs> <laughs> like legitimately so nice. Uh, and also trucking podcast. So one of the guys over at Truck Trend, uh, used to be the editor of Diesel Power Magazine, rolled out a new podcast. I think they're 13 or 14 episodes in now. He's had some really big names on. They're killing it in the ratings. Uh, they actually gave us a shout-out oh, on their most cool. recent episode. So I want to give a shout-out back to uh, Truck and Podcast. If you guys like our material and you're just also into trucks in general, uh, they're not necessarily diesel-specific, but they do have a lot of great content. So check out Truck and Podcast. That was it, man. That was that was a lot. That was a way to cover an entire week of my life in like twelve minutes. You were missed, man. You were missed <laughs> at the office. I'm not gonna lie to you. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And the other thing uh, I don't want guys to miss out on is the Exergy Do's and Don't segment. Yeah, very informative. You, yeah, you got some new ones here. I like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I got a chance to get on the phone with Randy <laughs> from Exergy today. Exergy, of course, uh, the premier high-pressure fuel injection, common rail injection uh, shop in the in the country. Uh, that is all we use on our shop trucks and all we'll use for our customer trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are very insistent on that. Uh, the do for this week, Chris, is one that kind of reminded me of being at Diesel Power Challenge and every other competition I've been at. And that's uh, do check to see if your build is holding rail pressure before you get on the dyno. I mean, that's like a general 
guideline I give every guy before scheduling a dyno appointment. I, I mean, because we work here, like yeah. we get that. But when you're a competitor or when you're just showing up to a dyno event or whatever else Going may to the happen, drag strip, whatever. Whatever. You know? Check check rail pressure. So do a quick data log. You you can view the data. You don't have to record the data. You can view the data. You can use an Edge Insight CTS monitor yep. or any other gauge package that will let you see desired and actual rail pressure. So it's not just what's your peak rail pressure. It's desired compared mm-hmm. to actual. Well, a lot of guys will be like, oh, my truck at X RPM is running X rail pressure. Rail pressure varies. Right. By load, throttle response, RPM, ev- boost, everything. Right? Also, if you're just able to see like 26 or 30,000 yeah. PSI. What the hell does that mean? For a moment, that doesn't mean it's holding. Right. Rail. It means it made peak rail pressure, right. but it needs to hold rail pressure. And I think that's one of the things like, you know, we're really big with like the edge insight monitors. Mm-hmm. I've had one in every truck, whether it's stock or big fuel system. And I like the ability to monitor actual and desired. Desired means that that is what the truck's ECM is commanding the hard parts to do. Yeah. The actual is, can the hard parts keep up with what's being desired? That's it, man. So having the comparison of that is huge. It is. It is. And do it, and like I said, do it before the dyno, because I saw a lot of heartbreak on the dyno at yeah. ATS, and not just due to elevation. Uh, we, we know that there was some other issues going on there. And I'll tell you this, before everybody strapped down, they were like, my truck's good, going to make 1,000. I heard it from every single competitor. And they didn't. Three. Three broke 1,000. All right. Uh, on to the don't. Chris, don't. uh Run me through it. All right. Don't use VCO nozzles on 150% for an LB7. So this is something I feel within the last year has become more and more popular. More guys are calling in and talking about, well, I'm going to go to SAC 45s. I'm going to go to SAC 65s. I'm going to go to a SAC nozzle, VCO nozzle. But they don't understand what the difference is. Right. Okay. So a VCO nozzle is a valve-covered orifice, and the needle covers the spray hole meaning there is a needle that closes in internally in the nozzle and blocks off the hole, Which, the orifice, the nozzle holes in themselves. And that design is a part of what led to the lack of reliability from mm-hmm. the LB7 injectors. Correct. So they went, to, they went to a couple of different things to make that better. So just before you discount VCO nozzles right. completely, know that th- there was a point where GM went back or Bosch went back and they said um, – Okay, if we coat these needles, this diamond-like coating, they're going to strongly help with reliability. That's something that Cummins has been doing for a long time. Let's try it. And it does. Yep. The, the coating strongly improved reliability, but there's still that design flaw of the needle touching. Yep. It's a wear item over time. Exactly. You know, fuel's going to seep through. That's where like the, the haze at idle or the added fuel uh, consumed is going to take place. That's right. Um, so what Exergy says is with the 100% or bigger, um, limit the VCO use. So they don't want to go over 100 over with a VCO nozzle. Anything over 100%, they're going to basically gonna go, to, go SAC. to SACs. So SACs, uh, uh, one SAC 45, I love that because a SAC... Like the standard SAC nozzle is, is equivalent a to forty five percent over, which is one of the reasons that they use it when they go into the higher modifications. Yep, uh, there are some different types of SAC nozzles, so it might not be like the same SAC nozzle that's on your forty five might not be the same SAC nozzle that's on a one fifty or a right. two fifty, but it is still a SAC nozzle. And a SAC nozzle just basically means it has an extra spray hole. Um, the the seat the needle seats above the nozzle hole, uh, which does give you better atomization, and they do tend to run right. cleaner. So the 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 reference of a sack. Okay, if you look at the sack uh, injector nozzle, there's a little sack at the bottom of the nozzle, and it actually holds fuel in there. Right. 
So the, the idea there, like you were saying, for the better animation, back in the old uh, 24 valve world, the VP world, when you went from a, a v, uh, the same size injector, VCO versus SAC, a SAC would always idle cleaner. Yeah. Uh, again, because of the better atomization. So when you're talking about drivability and you're talking about smoke output, a SAC nozzle is always going to be much more desired than a VCO style nozzle. And and what I thought was interesting is you may end up giving up a little bit up top. So VCOs may actually give you so 100 SAC and 100 VCO. You may get a little bit more peak out of the VCOs. Really? Yeah. Uh, but you're always going to run cleaner on the SAC. I did not know that. Um <sighs> Dollar for dollar, like apples and apples, I'd go with the sack, uh, yeah. personally. I mean, uh, the one thing I've learned over the years is drivability and smoke output is key. So a couple just, extra bucks. I mean, we're talking a few hundred dollars. It's not... Drivability impacts your experience so much more often than peak power does. Oh, yeah. There's so few experiences you have with your truck where you, you require five extra horsepower or whatever that that minor yeah. minor deviation I mean, is let, let's face it paul if you're in 100 over injectors yeah okay and the truck makes 20 or 30 more horsepower with the vc over a snack i promise you you are not going to notice that no i promise nor, nor nor does that build usually come out limiting on injectors because no. usually once you're at 100 overs you're going to limit yourself on turbo anyways because yep. you're trying to max so yeah I, i'm with you all right, and uh, speaking of trying to max some things out and loving to go fast in diesels, we got a really good message in for this week's segment of WC Fabs from Facebook. Yep. Uh, WC Fab, of course, uh, one of the show's uh, longtime running sponsors. Um, they make the best twin turbo kits. They make the best single uh, S300, S400 install kits. They make traction bars. They made our turbo Conver stands, CP3 conversions. I CP mean, they they fab a lot of stuff. That's it. And, they they and do more than coat. just truck stuff, right? You know, right. Which is it's always crazy, crazy to me right? when I'm over there and I see it. Yeah, yeah but their powder coating's top notch too. The way uh, Jason, I don't know if you've seen his newest facility because he had just moved. It's just insane. Like what he's got going on and and what he's been able to do over the last six seven years is for growth and what he's been able to bring in and the organization that he operates on a day to day basis. You know, it's. Very few people. I'm like, I take pride knowing that guy, you know, and he's just he is a good freaking person. Yeah. So true story. Uh, so thank you to Jason Worley and WC Fab for bringing us our from Facebook segment uh, this week. Uh, I'm reading one from Brent McCullough. Hey, fellas, I am listening from Australia and love fast diesels. It's a pity that the tank tanks are so bloody expensive over here, even before we start to make them fast. A hundred thousand put in and that's not even not even new making it a dream really um but we we have been doing some conversions with duramax and cummins into our patrols and land cruisers which are mid-size suvs about 50 grand will get you a conversion done we have just started getting uh into the four four point five common rail cummins as a conversion option i would love you boys uh to know any or would love to know if you boys know anything about them and potentially what they have to unlock i mean what would you or could you do to make these little bitches soot <laughs> i hear they are a six seven minus two cylinders anyways cheers i'm digging the podcast brent uh, so, Brent, first of all, thank you very much for sending in a message. Love to know, uh, love to always hear from some international listeners. Yeah, it's crazy that uh, I'd love to go to Australia one day. We're popular in Australia. I don't know if you know this. Well, part of us is there. Our voices right. are in Australia. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, first off, 
we, we've actually dealt a little bit with these patrols and land cruiser swaps with the Duramaxes. Yeah, over the last few years. A uh, couple guys out of Australia. Australia. I did not know that this was such a big conversion until actually you and Nick, probably about four years ago, were talking about patrol vehicles and Duramax conversions. I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nissan yeah. patrol truck. That's uh, big. Nissan land cruiser or Toyota land cruiser. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that they're now getting in the Cummins swaps. I just think every, the world's a better place now. <laughs> Uh, I have not seen a ton of coming swaps into those. I, I would imagine uh, he's still doing common rail into those. Yeah. Well, the uh, four, yeah. the four fives a common rail. I don't know if he's doing twelve valves in the other situations. Uh, what do you know about that four five common rail? Uh, Nick sent me on like a wild goose chase. Basically, figure it out, force yourself to learn, broaden your horizons. Yeah. Um, still working on it work in progress i know more about the r28 than i do about the four five and that's exactly correct i a lot of knowledge with the 2.8 crate motors that cummins is offered really cool platform to yeah. be completely upfront with you and what cummins is now offering um nine g's full package yep, yep. i mean and that's that's the pedal the wiring the ecu everything. that's everything, that's everything. i mean that's no, no power mods, but but I mean, still but nine grand crate that's motor no vehicle, with a warranty. No trans, right. you know, like, <laughs> it's everything but nothing, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, but it's a really cool package, you know, and I think we're going to start to see more of those, you know, when we talk about the four BT Cummins, the mechanical injected stuff, and then um, Cummins went to a three point nine common rail. Yeah. Um, very popular, a lot of conversions. So um, the four point five. Uh, I, I believe is more of a newer platform. I am really not up to speed 100%. I'm not even going to pretend like I do. I mean, listen, it, it's common rail injection. Yep. It's a variable vane turbocharger. Yep. It's a solid option. Yep. Uh, it, it always comes down to what do you want to get out of the vehicle when you're done. If you're looking for just good fuel mileage and you, you want a diesel because it's on the highway a lot or because you need some low-end torque, but maybe not a ton of low-end mm -hmm. torque, right? Maybe just for that platform, a lot of low-end torque. Uh, then yeah, then then that, yeah. that four or five, you know, assuming that it's more affordable than getting a six seven, great option. Well, I think more so the four or five is gonna be an easier transplant. I mean, just a packaging six, wise, a six seven is long. If you were to compare, one of the reasons these guys are doing the 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 six six Duramax into these Land Cruisers is being a V eight, you don't have the depth of the block, the right. depth of the engine itself. If you compare what a V eight, you know, a Duramax length is compared to a six seven block. Yeah, fair story. You know, shit. Go look at a new, you know, a new Ford Gen Dodge. The, the front ends are long as shit to yeah. stuff that motor in there. So I think that that's one of the values. You know, so what you're gonna gain in space side to side, you're gonna lack from front to back. Right. So that's where I think the the smaller four cylinder engines are gonna shine. Yeah, packaging also less weight. So if you are looking yep. for something that's gonna do a lot of you know highway cruising and and you don't need a lot of top end power, four or five would be a great option. Oh yeah. Plus, I mean, I don't know much about like the Land Cruisers and their overall makeup, but I mean to to harness you know a, a six seven liter Cummins motor. I mean, like you said, it's, it's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight to support it up front. Driveline, too. Yeah. I, I wonder about, yeah. you know, where Land Cruisers exactly. and Nissan Patrols end up with, like, I'm surprised yeah, that the Duramaxes. I'm surprised they swap it in the Duramaxes and what reinforcements needed. Well, I don't think they're going five, 600 horsepower on those. It's At least the, the builds I've worked in it's on. It's the weight in the front end. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. No, really interesting stuff. Thank thank you so much, Brent, uh, for sending us in a message. Hey, if you're anywhere besides the United States, do us a favor. Tag us on Facebook. Let us know where your location is. Yeah. Send us a, a private message. Let us know where you're listening from. Uh, we'd love to hear from all of the international listeners out there. Okay. 
All right, and then Diesel Insights, uh, sponsored by Duramax Tuner. Diesel Insights, of course, uh, just an informative video series uh, from Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power. It's really not about selling products. It's really just about teaching diesel owner stuff. It really is just a project where we let Nick talk on camera, mm-hmm. and then we put in some cutaways. Uh, but they're really, really cool videos. They've been doing very well. If you haven't checked them out, jump onto YouTube or to Facebook. Just search for Diesel Insights, uh, Duramax Tuner. I I got three in post right now, so Monday, I, I don't know when this episode's going live, uh, but very soon or very recently, depending <laughs> on when we go live with this, uh, there is Boost versus Power. Um, more Boost, more Power? Yeah, sure. Right? Sure. Well, that that's what people think. And so we got into this discussion a, a while back pretty briefly with Gail Banks talking about bad versus mad, guys wanting to watch the Boost gauge and feeling that the Boost gauge tells them, how much power do I have? Mm-hmm. Uh, or getting those customer service calls, it's like, hey, I'm thinking about buying your turbo. How much boost does it make? Right. As though boost equals power. So, so what we did was we put Nick on camera and um, we just we kind of drilled into and, and grilled him on when does boost equal power? Does boost equal power? What's the difference? Like, how do you track this? What's the relationship of boost and power? Yes, it does have something to do with it, but no, it's not a perfect equation. The one thing, you know, I always talk about with guys on the phone, and this is something Nick taught me because we were on the dyno and he was able to prove it. You take a truck and we'll we'll throw um, a second gen Dodge, you know, just uh, sure. I have a lot of roots there. Um, HX35 turbo, that truck's making 40 pounds of boost, right? Little 58, 57 millimeter compressor wheel. That truck's probably going to make more power, okay, at at 33, 34 pounds than it is at 40, because when the when the turbo's doing that much, it's creating hot airflow, right? And it, you're actually like heat soaking the engine. Well, you're getting less air, exactly. You're you're getting the, less the air quality. molecules, yep. right? So it's about air molecules, and if you can keep the air cold, you're going to condense those air molecules. You're going to get more air molecules per cubic inch. When it gets hot, you're going to get less air molecules per cubic inch. So boost is not not the final thing that we want to no. watch here. It does give us an indication. It's and the it's easiest like way else. to verify what the turbo is doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's a really good one. Also, uh, you will be seeing in the near future six things to know before buying a Duramax turbo. That's going to be a good one. And five essential LLY upgrades. So I'm, I'm really excited for both of those uh, Diesel Insights episodes. Big shout out to Duramax Tuner uh, and Nick and the entire team over there for putting those videos together. You are welcome. Uh, Thanks, Paul. (laughs) Uh, That leads us into our featured guest today, brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, uh, your home for diesel tuning, stealth turbos. common rail tuning needs at this point, I feel. Yeah, Power Stroke, Cummins, Duramax. Who would have thought? Who would have thought four or five years ago? I know, right? Power Stroke? Power Stroke? We used to cringe. Yeah. No, now now it's real. Now Now I want one. Now I want one. Quit playing. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, today we do have a very special treat for you guys. Somebody who I think is is famous in a way that you could only be famous in 2018, and that's YouTube Dude, famous. Seriously, like, right? If you're not social media YouTube famous, you ain't shit. True story. Yeah. Uh, so really big vlogger, uh, huge Duramax enthusiast, Corvette enthusiast as well. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the show Dirty Max Jack. Jack, how the hell are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for carving out some time to come and talk to our listeners um, a little bit about your experience in diesel performance, automotive performance, and YouTubing. Really excited YouTuber. to have you on the show. Yeah, yeah. Paul and Chris, it's an absolute pleasure to be here when you guys reached out to me not too long ago to see if I'd be interested. I figured that it would be an awesome opportunity. And actually, this is the first official 
podcasts that I've ever participated in. So thanks for uh, thanks for taking that from me. Really, really, I love it. Go ahead, Chris. You v know you card in the pocket. V card in the pocket. <laughs> That's it. I, I was waiting for one of you guys to jump on, and I didn't want to, you know, take away from your spot. <laughs> so, Jack, I, I have a question, man. Why why get started in the YouTube? Why document yourself? Like, you know, let's just go right into it. Why? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, um, and and it's kind of hard to completely articulate the reason behind the why. Um, there's a lot of things that people don't know about me that I choose not to share on my quote unquote YouTube persona that have actually kind of led me to YouTube. So it's almost kind of like YouTube found me from a creator perspective. So uh, just to kind of backtrack a little bit here to kind of maybe level set for some of your listeners that aren't so familiar with who I am. Uh, I'm a 26-year-old located out of, of Pennsylvania. Um, I have a degree from Penn State in business, and I went off to work for General Motors for two years following my graduation. So I served multiple roles there, and amidst kind of my working for this large, you know, fortune company, I continued to kind of touch on the pressure points of entrepreneurship, right? Um, tab tabulating with the idea of always saying it would be really cool to do my own thing one day. I just don't know exactly what it would be. Uh, you know, my father, he's an entrepreneur as well. So growing up in a household, admiring my father, going to work every day for himself, A, but B, truly seeing him and his passion radiate for what it is that he did, kind of always gave me that knack of, all right, I want to do that too, but I kind of want to find my own thing. I don't really want to just jump into what my father had created because I kind of want to learn about myself. Um, so pushing forward now, I'm still working for um, a fortune company. I'm just not with General Motors anymore. And, you know, again, this question is getting back to YouTube, and I'm trying not to kind of go too holistic here, but <laughs> I actually, for the past three years, have been working on developing a online marketplace. Now, I can't go too much into the details yet right now, though I would love to. Um, but basically, it's, it's, it's an app, and it's, it's a community marketplace that connects people, connects, let's just say, enthusiasts, right? Sure. Um, which kind of leads us down this road of, okay, I developed these wireframes and my whole business case. I had a strategy moving forward, and I actually began presenting this application to different angel investors, rounds of angels. Basically, it's a funding mechanism for startups, such as kind of myself or where I wanted to go. And I said, okay, well, if I get this funding, then the question was, how are you going to promote it? And I said, you know what, I have no idea, and that's a whole other facet of cost. And, and me, working at my job, I'm very fortunate for what I do and the experiences that I'm getting at a young age, but it would by no means have the funding to, to basically capitalize or drive the capital behind the need of this app. So... I then moved out to uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm located right now. And um, I started kind of looking around. I think one night I was kind of aimlessly on the Internet, and I saw, like, YouTube bloggers, and I began kind of digging deeper into what it is that allowed them to kind of present themselves in the way that they do and ultimately jump into modifying vehicles to the extent that they do. And I found that you could monetize YouTube. And... At that point in my life, I had never earned a single penny of discretionary income ever. Um, so I said to myself, you know, I'm definitely not the guy to pull the camera in front of my face, but 
there are local YouTubers that also participate in these kind of activities, and I'd be really interested to meet them. So as a matter of fact, one is kind of right across the street from my house. <laughs> I met him, and he introduced me to a whole bunch of other YouTube personalities, and I kind of made a promise to them saying, hey, look, guys, I'm going to go try this. I don't, I don't want your help. I'm going to go try this and see what it's all about. And then maybe once I get some traction, I'll, I'll circle back, and I'll give you some feedback as to how I'm doing. And that kind of led to where we are now. And, and, and we can kind of get into the details of, of this little bit. And, and, and Paul and Chris, you guys are probably fine that I can talk and talk and talk for days. My boss says I, I would be great at sales. Um, but ultimately, I started YouTube because I saw a medium to market my app. I haven't gotten to that point yet. And that's something that a lot of, a lot of people have absolutely no idea about only kind of my inner circle. Yeah, but for ultimately, sure. Ultimately, that's what motivated me to look to YouTube. And then I found that it would allow me to also really kind of create a business of driving passion. Um, you know, and I also have a, a clothing company called Enthusiast, only spelled E-N-T-H-U-Z-S-T, to kind of give it a little spin-off, make it modern, give it a, a differentiation. Um, but my motto is passion is the priority, and I think that YouTube has allowed me to share that passion with my entire audience and prospective viewers that decide to visit, maybe hang out at the channel for, for a little bit of time. Um, as I feel like in life, without passion, yeah, you're kind of a blank canvas, and you need to have the passion for whatever it is that gets your, gets your cylinders going. I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. How long have you been doing the YouTube channel now? So I started my YouTube channel uh, February of 2017. So give our, our listeners a quick rundown. What type of stuff do you cover on your YouTube channel? Yeah, so the, the YouTube channel is, is, is I'm going to say, like a lifestyle channel that's automotive-focused. Um, so I have, and kind of part of the reason that I'm sitting here with you gentlemen today, uh, I have a 2015 LML Duramax that's got an array of mods, so we can go into those in a little bit. That's really what I kind of started my channel off of, kind of, Queen the, the the term Dirty Max Jack, and the, the the origination of the Dirty Max Jack is actually because prior to starting my YouTube channel, I had had an Instagram page that I kind of started aimlessly just to post random photos on, sure. and it, it aggregated a rather large following quickly, and I attribute that to the fact that I had like one of the first kind of heavily modified LML Duramaxes available, and that was part due to the fact that I worked at GM at the time, so I kind of had some seniority in purchasing power, if you will. Right. Um, so I started sharing photos, and, and my Instagram name is Dirty Max with four R's, and it kind of just stuck, so I figured, all right, let's start with, with that on YouTube and kind of see how it rolls. And then that's kind of cascaded into more of a broader automotive focus, still general motorist-based vehicles, because now I have added a uh, 2006 Z06 Corvette to the channel as well. Yeah, we'll dive into the truck in a minute. Tell us more about the vet. Yeah, so the so I've always wanted a Corvette. Um, I just figured, hell, it's it's a very recreational purchase, and the day that I buy one is when it makes most sense, right? So <laughs> I, uh, I kind of a cool story behind the car. So when I moved out to the, the current house that I live in, um, actually, as I was viewing the property from like a Craigslist ad, because that's how I ended up discovering the property that I'm at right now. Um, I saw an orange, an atomic orange Corvette in the ad. And I thought to myself immediately as the you know, car guy that I am, well, shit, I'm definitely going to be friends with that neighbor. 
I, I know nothing <laughs> about that guy, but I will absolutely be friends with that guy because at the time he had, you know, a Corvette uh, Z06 and a Mustang uh, GT, which I won't hold against him. <laughs> uh, so I, I ended up kind of moving in here, and I think it was like the third day I was out washing my truck. I had walked over to him. His name was John, and I introduced myself, and we chatted for about 45 minutes just about car stuff stuff that my wife totally wouldn't care about at all and you know i i said to him as i kind of ended the conversation i said john you have a really beautiful car and one day i will absolutely buy it off of you and he said like what he's like he's like who is this guy (laughs) and i mean long story short he and i have become unbelievably good friends about two years after that initial conversation um, he called me one day to talk to me about this growing infatuation that he had with the C7 Stingray body style. And I said to him, well, how about you let me make your life just a little bit easier? I'll give you a nice hearty down payment, and that way it makes your life a little bit easier to go out and get that C7. And that's pretty much how it all kind of fell into my lap. That's awesome. So what's what's done to the vet? Uh, it's not all stock, right? It is not stock, no. So I did buy it stock. Um, it's gone through a pretty progressive phase of modifications in a rather short amount of time. I actually signed over the registration for that vet on my birthday, December 8th um, of 2017, kind of a fun fact. Um, so, yeah, we've gone through um, uh, a set of wheels. So it's got DR1 wheels on it right now. It's, it's currently lowered. Um, I did a, a heads cam package from Race Proven Motorsports out of Newcastle, Delaware. Uh, awesome, awesome team down there. Fran Schatz has become a very good friend of mine um, throughout kind of this exploratory phase of the LS, um, I guess you could say, realm. Uh, so they did uh, fully built heads. Uh, port- they're ported and polished. They did a stage three cam, uh, two inch American racing headers, Catalyst X pipe, an intake, and then their tune. So baseline, the car made to the wheels all stock, 450, 431, respective horsepower torque. Uh, following the, 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 the modifications, it made 605, 531, respective horsepower torque. Not um, bad. And I just recently ran, for my first, well, second time with the car at the track, I ran a, uh, a, a, a what was I, what did I run? I'm trying to think, a 10.8 at 134, and, and that's without any driver mod whatsoever. <laughs> Well, I've I've been watching your channel for quite a while, so um, I caught that like your race videos are always your first race, which I think is a bold move for a YouTube channel to be like, well, this is my first or my second time ever racing the truck or ever racing the vet uh, to put those videos out there. I like it. I think it shows a little bit of authenticity um, with the vet. How long ago did you did you end up picking that up? You said. So I, I signed it over into my name. I registered it in my name December 8th of 2017. 2017. So not too long ago. Right, six okay. Months. Six months. Yeah. Six months. Six months. Gotcha. Uh, future plans? I mean, are you going to go to 1,000 horsepower with this thing? 1,000 horsepower really isn't all that hard to make in these cars, which is just mind-boggling. I mean, the LS7, granted, it's, it is an NA motor. You know, it's kind of like a beacon of its generation. I think it's going to kind of – I think the C6 Z06 is going to be kind of – it's going to kind of become a Supra-esque car, I think, in the future because it's so raw in, in what it's offered. But, yeah, I, I do have a lot of plans for it. Um, right now, actually, I just partnered with a, a company by the name of C7 Carbon. They offer carbon bits for Corvette, uh, late model Corvettes, I'm going to say, kind of C5, C6, C7, and then late model Camaros as well, like the 5th gen and 6th gen Camaros. 
Um, so they're going to hook us up with a whole bunch of arrow for the car. I mean, we're talking uh, front lip, side skirts, rear wing diffusers. Um, so it's, it's going to re- give it a really nice aggressive appearance on the exterior. I'd like to do, um, you know, a different set of wheels as well. Uh, and then Fran and I are in discussions as to kind of what's next from a modification perspective, like engine mod performance perspective. Um, I could still do like a throttle body intake manifold injectors and maybe squeeze another 30 or 40 horsepower out of it NA. So, you know, that, that's kind of an option. And then another option is, and I've been in discussions with companies such as like AA uh, through Vortec and uh, Procharger. Um, a Procharger on that car at five pounds would make 800 wheel. Right. Um, so, so there's a lot of options in the market. And really, I, I, I think we all as car enthusiasts are always so eager to pull the trigger on that next set of mods. But I think at the same time, you need to balance the patience and the enjoyment that comes along with the ride. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, you, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things, too. I think we get into that, like, is it a number or what is it for or what's the purpose here? You know what I mean? Like, are, are we chasing a number? Are we looking to have a quarter mile time or do we want a, a windshield experience? <laughs> yeah. Right. But I think a lot of the time when guys are chasing a horsepower number, you get that done. And even though it makes the number, it's like, you know, that now what? Exactly. Or it's, well, the vehicle doesn't, the vehicle makes the number, but the vehicle doesn't respond or it doesn't perform the way I thought this vehicle at this power would perform. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, there, there's a couple routes to look at it as far as that goes. But, Jake, I do agree with you with um, the simple fact of enjoying the chase yeah just taking a step back and just relaxing and enjoying what you have at that given moment yeah 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 yeah, i think that that's a really good point um i mean if i was to ask myself like like jack what the hell is the point of what you're doing i I honestly have no idea (laughs) Uh, like i don't i don't know why and i think that if you ask any car enthusiast to define what it is that they they focus on so much and kind of why they allot so many compromises in their financial perspective to building a vehicle. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, it truly is. Like, for me, I, I like the way that you put it, like, with the windshield experience. For me, it's getting out and just purely enjoying the euphoria of the freedom that's associated with it. And, and I mean, I think a lot of it is also respective to kind of power. And, and I mean, me, like from a personality perspective, I'm a very kind of dominant trait kind of person. I like to make it like kind of dominate the area and, you know, really make an influence or an impact. And I think that that kind of exuberates that, that, that experience, right. Or those characteristics. Um, I think that setting like a goal from a number perspective becomes arbitrary because, You'll, you'll attain that goal, and without sitting at that kind of level and truly embracing or enjoying it, you kind of set a next goal. Right. And then all of a sudden, you've totally absorbed any potential opportunity and what you're chasing, and then you need to kind of start over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we see it all the time, right, Chris? We, we were do. just interviewing guys at UCC uh, for 2018, and they're already talking about next year's plan, yeah. right? It's like sometimes you, you're right. You do just got to dial back and, and kind of be into what you're into. Um, but that's a lot about the Corvette, a, a great history on you. Let's dive into this truck, man. Uh, walk my listeners through it. What are you driving? Yeah, so, um, so the Duramax. Uh, it's a 2015 LML. Uh, it's the first-generation LML Duramax. I bought it uh, actually... 
kind of ironic now that I'm thinking about it. In December of uh, 2014, just when the first model, or I, I guess you could say the revised model LML came out, um, it's gone through a slew of modifications. I mean, right now in its current state, um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's tuned um, through PPEI. I've got, um, let's see here, your turbo on it, the Cell 64 uh, turbo, which I'd love to give you guys kind of my feedback on because the truck's seen two, three turbos so far. Um, it's lifted on a Cognito 4 to 6 inch. Uh, the ride quality is outstanding. It's got the upper control arms and the keys. Uh, wheels and tires, uh, 22 by 14 American Forest Tracks SS8 in gloss black. Um, ended up wrapping those in a 355, uh, what is it, 355 4022 Nitto Trail Grappler. Uh, I actually color matched the truck um, uh, with vinyl wrap, so just a little bit of a different um, kind of approach there, at least generally in the market. You see a lot of people going towards paint. Um, it's an LTZ. So it's got pretty much every gizmo and gadget, as I'd like to say, except for one of the most essential ones, especially in Pennsylvania, and that's the heated steering wheel. Kind of oh, no. kicking myself in the ass for not getting that. that you cheap ass. Come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Five-inch exhaust. Um, we've got uh, Whirly Custom Fab uh, supporting parts to uh, the Stealth 64 that we made it in there. The powder coating option is called Frost Orange, so it's kind of a matte. Matte finish orange, the Whirly Fab. They're, they're great. They're one of one of the sponsors of the build as well. I've gotten to know Jason um, and incredibly well. I mean, such a great guy to work with, um, kind of in, in the Duramax community. Uh, Cummins as well, I think he's trying to enter into. Um, we got an array of other things on there. We got a Fast 150. I, I don't know. I think I could go all day, but that kind of gives a general <laughs> flavor as to where it is. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, did I catch a, a modified CP3 in there? That is, I did not mention that, but you are completely right. Yeah, it's a Sportsman CP3 as well. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah we that, got rid of that that, that cruddy CP4. You, you just covered all of our sponsors too. WC Fab, Jason Worley, great friend of the show, uh, an Exergy uh, performance for the uh, Sportsman CP3. Uh, great group of guys to work with as well. But okay, so you got a you got a really solid setup. Uh, you had mentioned turbos. You want to you want to dive in there. What was the first modified turbo you put on the truck? Well, here, let me backtrack just a little bit, and I think that I'm going to build up a little bit of kind of a picture of the landscape of the truck. So when I first got it, literally at 500 miles, it already had the Cognito 46-inch lift on it. I bought this truck knowing that I wouldn't waste any time. Um, so I, I pretty much had the lift kit, actually, before I even had the truck. Um, so I, I, I had everything kind of lined up, and then, you know, I think it was like my first refill, um, you know, at a gas station doing a specific thing that involves urea, whatever the case might be. Um, I ended up actually uh, tuning the truck at about 1,500 miles. Oh, wow. Um, so, so 1,500 miles later, we had a PPEI tune LML. We had an exhaust on it and some other supporting mods. And that took me to about 12,000 miles. And the paranoia and the lack of sleep and insomnia that the CP4 was causing me just decided to motivate me to kind of go out and buy this Exergy CP3. And at that time, I also figured, all right, well, if I'm in there, I'm going to connect with Whirly Fab. I love his powder coating. I love the way that his, his product looks. Let me reach out to him and see. Uh, and he was nice enough to say, hey, you know what? I really like what you're doing on Instagram at the time because YouTube wasn't even a figment of my imagination. Uh, and he said, you know, here, we're going to throw this at you. So I did, you know, the driver's side intercooler pipe, the passenger side intercooler pipe, the under, under, uh, un under hood filter delete. We did the, 
the Y-Bridge, and then, of course, the CP3. And at least I got my sleep back. Insomnia, I kicked its ass. <laughs> um, so then kind of proceeding down the route of time, we get into what was your question about the Turbo Kit. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. And at this time, I had had my YouTube channel now. I think we had aggregated about 8,000 subscribers in the channel. And I was like, you know what? Let me do something just a little bit different in the, in the LML community, or at least different in the eyes of the Hoover, right? You don't see a lot of fixed vein turbos. So after a fruitful conversation with, with, with again, Jason and, and team at Whirly Fab, we decided to mate up um, a, a fixed vein S369 to the truck, um, which requires, uh, you can actually utilize the, the pre-existing Y-Bridge, but you're going to need a different, I think it's driver side intercooler pipe, yep. um, maybe passenger side intercooler pipe. I think it's just driver side intercooler pipe for that setup. And I figured, you know what, I'm not really towing much with the truck. Let me give it a shot. And that is kind of the first experience with an aftermarket turbo on, on, on a Duramax. How did it drive? Yeah, so um, it's way different. And if I could kind of at a high level break down the characteristics or the dynamic of driving, it's, it's a laggier, slower process to get to where you want to go, and it requires a lot more fuel, which is going to kill your fuel economy. <laughs> um, it, it, it was great, and, and that, that wasn't me belittling or beshaming um, the capabilities of the 369. Um, it was a really fun turbo. It took a little bit of getting used to because, again, it is laggier. It requires more fuel and a little bit more time to kind of get up in your peak power, your peak boost range. Um, but personally, I really, really enjoyed it. Granted, it, it wasn't efficient like these variable geometry turbos are, and they're intended to be. Um, it made unbelievable power. I mean, up at the top end, this truck would move. I mean, I think when I ran it at the first YouTube call-out event that um, was ending the year last year, 2017, we called it Oktoberfest, with 14 wides on it, again, my 6-inch lift, those, those big old 14-inch wide tires, I ran a 13.1, and that was only on tune three, a very mild boost and launch. <clears throat> okay. Not bad. That's yeah. impressive. So, I mean, that shocked me. And then right then and there, I was like, wow, what what do I do? And that's kind of when the Corvette fell in my lap, and I, I kind of, you know, thanked the Lord because I didn't really want to get into building a race diesel. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you have the S369 on the truck for then? So I put about... I put about 5,000 miles on that turbo setup. Okay. And then where did you go from there? What made you change? Like, what's what's that backstory? So the pivotal moment that kind of made me realize that the S369, it had been fun, but I kind of wanted to digress and say, you know what? I have a Corvette now, and I'd really like to kind of purposefully build that car to be a street car, be an autocross car, be a road course car, be a track car, be a whatever car. Um, I have a Duramax, and I, I have a, this car. So ultimately, if I'm building the car for more of a spirited kind of driving um, experience, then I'd like to use my truck to bring it places. Um, and I actually made a video on this. It was kind of at that point where I was testing the waters of maybe converting back to a VGT. I figured, you know what, let me go out and grab a car trailer and, and, and throw the Corvette on it how it, it tows. Um, now, it, it towed well. I wouldn't say that it towed outstandingly well, but it towed well to the point where I kind of had to manually shift the gears a little bit, right. uh, manually drive the truck. And, 
you know, it, it, it did it, but it wasn't really something that I would want to put the truck through often. No, it's... Uh... So that's when um, I started reaching out to the community that I'm super fortunate to have at my disposal, talking around to, to people like um, like Chad down at PPEI, who I think is running a 64-millimeter turbo fix or a variable vane as well. Um, and then I, I reached back out to Jason, and I said, hey, I'm hearing really good things about what's going on. And he walked me through... Uh, basically, there was like a Gen 1 and a Gen 2. You guys brought your manufacturing in-house uh, to kind of control some of, I guess, maybe the, the birthing defects, if you will, of kind of the first-generation turbo. And he said, these guys did it right. They found an opportunity to improve. They brought it in-house. They did it. And these turbos are unbelievably capable. And, Jack, I think you're going to love it because it's going to be everything that that fixed vein was at the tuning level that you were running it on. Except when you want the boost, low RPM, it's going to deliver. And I said, Jason, say no more, dude. Where do I sign? <laughs> uh, and and that, that's kind of what led me to explore the, the potential of the, the Duramax Stell 64 millimeter that's on the truck now. That's really cool. Yeah, Chad Cole does actually run a, a Stell 64 on his truck yeah. as well. They're a, a supplier of our turbos uh, for people. Um, but that's awesome. Yeah, Jason, uh, he stocks the turbos on yep. his shelf, so he's really familiar with them. Uh, but it's great. So so you went from the fixed vein S369, you threw a Stell 64 on it. Obviously, we know that gave you more low-end spool up, but you gave up some compressor there. Do you feel like you gave up top-end power? You know, I, I honestly haven't. I haven't driven the truck the same since I switched turbos because I, I've kind of readopted that grandfather style of driving in my truck. Sure. Um, but in, in the few times that I have, let's just say, gone wide open throttle, I don't feel like I made a compromise at all. I think with you, Jack, too, you're a little bit more experienced than, than some, okay, not discrediting anyone, because a lot of times I, I had an older LB7, and uh, it had an S366 kit from Jason, got rid of that, I put one of our Stell 64s on there, and if you're in the top end and you're already at a mid-RPM uh, range, let's say 18, 1900, and you stab the throttle, it's got that good top power, but the 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 single S300 is going to come in in a delay, but when it comes in, it comes in hard. Yeah. So it's all about that rev range that you're running in and how you get that truck into its peak boost or peak power curve. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a really good – you can't really compare apples to apples. Right. Um, because, again, right, you're, you're going up an on-ramp and, you know, you're just in normal drive. If you're, if you're going to just mash the throttle on a fixed, fixed geometry turbo – that S369 or S366 or whatever S300 series turbo, you're going to mash it, the trans is going to shift, and then you're going to kind of wait a minute. Yep. And then before you know it, traction control is just going ridiculous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because that boost, once it kicks, man, it's going to kick and it's going to pull until you're, oh. you're at your rev range. It's going gonna, gonna to make up for all the delay that it had, what made you wait the couple seconds prior. Yeah. Right. Whereas when you're comparing, the, as I kind of say, the characteristics of the 64 millimeter it it almost feels like when you mash the throttle there's not that initial kind of wall of boost whereas you're kind of already there so the transition from normal driving to peak power is so much more linear that it's almost hard to compare because they feel way different but if you look down at kind of where you are let's just say getting the 55 of course you're already there yep yeah 
I can just hear Nick in my ear screaming yeah. transient throttle response. Well, it's just this like, is like what we just described is like the perfect explanation of transient throttle response well, from a turbo, I mean, right? as he's referencing all of this, you know, you get those guys, and, and Jack, back me up on this, please. Well, my S300 spools like stock. My turbo does this. <laughs> I could tow. No one has ever said that those turbos can't do that, but you're driving around the turbo, which you actually identified with having to manually, you know, transition your, yeah, your it, transmission gear. It's so cool to hear somebody yeah, not in our shop, exactly. like an, an end user, describe things the way you did, because this is we talk about this all the he, time. He just backed everything up with drivability. <laughs> Without saying drivability once, right. <laughs> he just described everything when it comes to drivability. Transient throttle response. I'm going to have to archive that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a Nick Pregnant's that, that, favorite. That's for you, Nick. <laughs> awesome, man. Okay, so so you got the truck. It's kind of back in like a, a tow tow rig, daily driver, show truck kind of vehicle here because it looks fucking tits. You just threw an L5P hood on it, right? I did. Yeah, pretty cool story about that too. Do I have time to kind of go into some of the details? Yeah, on for that? sure, man. Yeah, so I, I know that I sound like a broken record, um, but. I really just love to share the appreciation that I have for everybody that follows me. I mean, it, it's an amazing factor of how the Internet takes this massive world that we live in, miles and miles and thousands of miles separate these people. But the Internet and these communities make the world so small. Uh, and, and I think that it, I'm just so fortunate for everybody that's decided to kind of join me in my journey of what it is that I decide to share and, um, the cool story with this was, is I, I, you know, I was on Instagram one day, I got a message and I, and I, I jumped into the DMs, you know, and I'm, and I'm scooting through and this fella reaches out to me from Ohio and says, Hey man, you know, I really love the look of the Chevy L5P hood. And without doing much artful research, I bought one and painted it for my GMC Denali. <laughs> right. And, and I said, okay. And how did that work out? And he's like, well, dude, I went to put it on and I quickly kind of kicked myself in the ass because I realized that they're not the same at all. And he said, so now I'm in this position where I have a Denali and I have a hood on my Denali and I have an L5P hood, but it doesn't work. And ultimately I'm tied up with my capital in that hood. And I watched one of your videos and I saw that you mentioned that you might get one. So would you be interested? And I'm like, well, shit. I mean, this guy's not too far away. And it's already white, so it kind of fell into my lap. And if, if anything, I probably wouldn't have done an L5C hood if it, the stars literally didn't fall right into my lap. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was like, this is super convenient. So I actually mentioned, like, on a quick Instagram post, um, and a buddy of mine who actually I met at our first YouTube call out, he's from Ohio. Well, he's from Ohio. He kind of works in Pittsburgh. He's in that general area, western Pennsylvania. Um, he reached out to me and said, hey, man, if you need somebody to look at that for you, I'll go out and check it out. Oh, hell I yeah. Said, okay, well, how, how, how far are you from this location? And he said, dude, that's literally 20 minutes from me. I'll go over there on my lunch break. Nice. And I said, honestly, man, if you wouldn't mind doing that, you could be my eyes. If you give me the sign of approval on this thing, the paint quality is good, and it's, it's to your expectation. It meets your, meets your level of quality or satisfaction. And let me know. And while you're in front of this seller you'll be my kind of requisitioner and I'll send the guy money. He'll get the money and then you pick it up and I'll meet you at the next call out. And that's pretty much exactly what we did. So there's two <laughs> subscribers 
met each other through my channel, through the, 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 the knowingness or the empathy of my channel, and basically helped me out in receiving a part. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Wow. It, it is so cool. Chris and I were just talking. We were so, so humbled after being at UCC, and yep. then we get back, and we had a gentleman was in in Chicago for business and we tell people we're from Chicago but you know we're an hour and a half yeah. two hours from Chicago with traffic uh, and this guy like jumped in his rental car and drove out to the shop just just to meet us and yeah. it is it is really cool to see the kind of connections that this type of media brings we're like we always joke about we do the podcast just to get out of work an hour early on Fridays and like you said you know you guys. The, I'm, I'm sure that YouTube's not your only or your primary source of income you know what I mean it's it's a fun thing that you'd like to do to to be able to interact with people. Well, the one thing, back me up on this a little, Jack. You probably have a lot of Facebook private messages and Instagram private messages on a daily basis or weekly basis, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd say, I mean, this isn't a bragging thing, just to answer the question. I probably get like 40 a day. Okay. Yeah. So I don't have that much because I have all my work channels, but. People trying to reach out to me directly on my personal my personal pages is starting to grow, and then they end up like emailing me or calling a day or two later at the shop, like, "Hey, I Instagram messaged you. I'm sorry, I don't. I barely go on Instagram Messenger. I'm lucky I can follow up with my emails at work. <laughs> you know, like it, it's just it's hard for me to do that. But it's the fact is is I don't want to discredit anyone. I just don't I just don't go on there and use it. Like I post on social media, but I don't use the messenger as a means of communication. You know, but the fact that someone reached out, right? Like they took time to reach out to you, to talk to you. Like that's extremely humbling. Like you're making an impact in their life. You're doing something for them, for them to want to even feel the need to reach out. Like anyone that reaches out to me, sorry, stop. I'm not special enough. Yeah, I agree. You're a fucking asshole for not. So, so your whole your whole rant here is that you don't reply to people. I, I'm starting to. I'm starting to. But as you know, this guy full time job, two vehicles, you know, two race vehicles, right? YouTube like, channel. Yeah, YouTube yeah, yeah. channel. Like you're just you're you're killing it in pretty much every aspect. Then you're putting up YouTube meets. Like, what the fuck are you doing? When do you sleep? <laughs> like, what do you? How do you delegate all of this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um. And you're married? I, like, what the, what the <laughs> fuck? I'm married, yep, and I have a dog who requires more time than my wife at times. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I got to take just a minute to, to just give my wife credit for all of her understanding. I mean, she's not a car person. Um, you know, if, 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 if life required her before she met me to drive the most boring vehicle in the world, she would love it because it got her from point A to point B. And, I mean, I've influenced her to the point where now she's out looking at Toyota TRD editions, and she's like, I can't wait until I can have one that's white with black rims and it's tinted out. Like, that's my girl. <laughs> I'm so proud of her. Um, and, and I love her to death. And, I mean, she supports everything. And, I, I mean, that's one thing that a lot of people don't see as they are viewing a 10-minute video that's uploaded on a screen, right? They don't see the work and the commitment and the level of compromise that's required in order to do what seems like small businesses outside of what is a day job. Now, what I like to do is I like to put the perspective in people's minds of when you're driving home from a long day at the office or in the factory or the warehouse or on the job site or whatever you are, you know, or maybe out to, you know, our first responders, you're tired you just want to get home. You want to relax. It's Friday. You know, you know you're just going to kind of sit back and chill. Well, what I do is I get home. I, I go to the gym. I spend time with my wife at the gym because that's kind of our, our time to do something together. And 
I mean, I think that's a, a root of how relationships are supposed to work. you got to find those common grounds. Um, but then I get home, and it's like, okay, what's my schedule look like? What's the weather forecast? What are my options for content creation? What do my, what do my people want to see? Am I responding to DMs? Am I working on designs for my brand? Am I fulfilling orders? Am I working on my website? Am I working on my app? You know, how am I spending my time? Because I, I, I like to use this analogy to say when people compare themselves to other people, they tend to say, oh, well, they have this and they do that and they do this and they do that. At the root of anybody's success or their perceived success, which a lot of social media people do is perceived success, but at the root of that, everybody is given the exact second amount of time in a day, down to the second, down to the millisecond. I don't care what perspective you're looking at. And it all comes down to, like, how do you manage your time and really what in your life do you want? Because if anything, you got to get out of a mindset of a day job, which I do every day. I mean, I work um, in a rather technical role uh, for my day job, which is totally different than what I do as kind of an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur. And, and you just have to shift those gears and and not make any excuses ever. Whether you're making money or you're not making money, it's really the mindset that plays into what it is that you're looking to accomplish in your life. And at times, I wake up and I'm like, what the hell even happened in the last month? <laughs> like, like, what did I even do? All of a sudden, it's, it's spring and everything's already blossomed and is green, whereas a month ago, it was dying. everything was dead. Yeah. Like, when did that happen? You know, and... and and it's a balance of, okay, well, I got all this work to do, but let me also appreciate the now and not get too complacent where I'm not embracing all of the great things in life in the current point in time. Absolutely. That's some great advice there. Said it better than I could. <laughs> well, Jack, we definitely appreciate you taking some time and coming and talking to our listeners today. Uh, anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to ask? Yeah, I think uh, I think that it's a really cool experience. Uh, you know, Paul and Chris, I, I want to thank you guys for, for reaching out. I'm, I'm sorry that, that I didn't respond to my email sooner. Um, no, please. Yeah, it's, Chris's. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's really cool to just be connected. Like I said, the the Internet, I think the coolest part of the Internet is it is it makes the world approachable. Uh, and, and, and it really level sets, whereas in the past it would be a, a, a much larger effort to kind of coordinate something like this, whereas the three of us can sit down and, and discuss a topic for a small amount of time. And I know my good friend Mark DeCola, who's coming out of the Pittsburgh area, he, he listens to your podcast all the time. You know, he's Mark DeCola and Offer Dynasty on Instagram. Um, and, and Greg A, you guys had Greg A on your channel. Greg is not so far from me either. And I mean, the cool thing is, is I know that they listen to this podcast and it's going to go out to all of their audience as well. And, you know, back to my point with Mark, I, I've never met Mark in person, but when I meet him in person, which will actually be for the first time this weekend at Dirty Diesel to shop, uh, out here in Reading, Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, I've talked to Mark for over a year and a half online. When I meet him in person, I've, I already know who he is. It, it, I, like, I don't need to spend that time to, get familiarized with his characteristics or his demeanor, what he brings to the table, because I already know. So it, it expedites the relationship building process. And I think if anything comes out of YouTube in the future, it probably won't be, you know, this big thing, because ultimately I think it will go away. 
but it's going to be the relationships that then allow me to navigate the next step. And I think that a lot of people that listen in on social media influencers need to realize, like, hey, look, if I want something, I'm fully capable of doing it myself. I mean, just look at Duramax Tuner. Like, it, that all probably started out of a passion for for the trucks, and, they, and you found a market, and you went after it with sincerity and quality and the customer in mind, and you created an amazing business out of it that holds one of the best reputations in the industry. And that, and that just says something to that tenaciousness. Um, you know, so not to, not to sit here and rant about life motivation or anything like that, but um, <laughs> I, I think that at the end of the day, it's just, it's just cool, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that I can establish these relationships um, you know, and kind of see where they go into the future. That's awesome, man. I hear you. We're all just hoping to be a 10-year-long overnight success, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 10-year-long overnight success, sleep deprived, hungry, tired, all that stuff. Well, that's awesome. Well, Jack, I again, I really appreciate you coming on the show, talking to our listeners. We're going to be uh, doing some follow-up here and seeing about getting together in person at some time over the next year. Uh, but for today, this has been Paul. And Chris. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTutor.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere, Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTutor.com or Chris at CEHMK at DuramaxTutor.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Honestly, these two cops rolled up and like I started yelling at the competitors. I'm like, all right, who did it? Who did it? Like, come on. Like, for real, a couple of those guys got a little sketchy, man. They started looking over their shoulder. I don't know. Maybe they seen us out taking those hits last night.